and welcome to No Ideas Original featuring Shanaa, Mr. Rob, and Zane. Today we're joined by Dion Broadway, formerly of Strictly Roots. What's up, bro? How you doing? Everything blessed, man. Just happy to be here. You know, every day I get up, I get thanks, man. You know? That's the way it should be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be. Yo, so so how was it coming out of the Bronx and who were your musical influences in the Bronx? Um, the Bronx, it was good coming out of the Bronx. You know, we were from a Caribbean background, Jamaica. You know, so my parents left over there, they came over here to, you know, find work and farming, they call it. Um, I was born in the Bronx. So I'm like one of those first generation um, generation X's up here. So it was good. Um, as far as influences, you know, my uncle, my uncle Leon, he, he introduced me to hip hop. Really, you know, we was um, I didn't know him at the time, but we lived across the street from Mark, Mark the Forty Five King. Wow. So Leon, my uncle, you know, he knew him. He brought tapes across the house, to the house. I think um, the first MC I think I've heard, like, I think it was an artist named Shambu, mm-hmm. where a lot of people don't know about funk. We talking about 1976, 75, 70, you know what I mean? Right, so right. Shambu was the first person I heard. And then he had records like, you know, Jimmy Spicer, um, like a Dracula rap, and Spicer had a, a couple of, another joint, but, that's how I got introduced to hip hop and then Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and then that was the names I heard. I think uh, I could have been attracted to the name Flash because the comic books at the time. You know? Right, right, right. But um, I would have to say that I can remember like Shambu and then Jimmy Spicer was the first I heard as far as influences go. I, mean, I grew up in a culture, to be honest. So I think I was, uh, I think I was influenced by everybody. Um, but I, but who, who motivated me to make more moves? I think I, I gotta give credit. Like, it's funny. Like I, I gotta give credit to Melly Mel because um, he was dominant as far as you know sound in the beginning when it came to writing when I was younger. When I got older, it's like, you know, you have your K-Rest, you know, everybody was influenced like by Chris, by G-Rap, Rakim, you know, then Kane came and killed, you know, Sean Head came and killed. So it was it was a lot of people. I, I just grew up with hip hop. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I can't give one person the credit, mm-hmm. but I definitely was a fan of the music for sure. You know what I mean? It's funny you name Melly, Melly Mel, because I think that Melly Mel sometimes get left off the list when people mention like pioneers. And to me, Melly Mel was like, in my opinion, one of the very first wordsmiths. Like he was one of the first dudes who kind of took rap, I think, to the next level right. and began to actually integrate wordplay into it. So to me, it's, it's I'm happy to hear somebody finally give Melly Mel some props. Oh, no. Melly Mel. Oh, Kumo D. Like, you know, Melly Mel. Kumo D. And, um, I think, well, now artists is giving him a lot of his credit. But I think Grandmaster Cass, honestly, is somebody who a lot of people may not know about, but he, you know, that Cold Cut 4 was a serious, serious thing. And, you know, he was a, one of the main architects 
behind that. So I think Gwen as a character deserves a lot of credit, which I don't deserve. You know, there's other people in the mix. You know, that 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 era's a little bit um, before me, but Grandmaster Cast, because you know, when I was in the valley, like Cold Crush Four, when they when they battled at the art, I don't even say the article. I'm not sure, but when they did that battle and. When they, when they had that love rap, killing this love rap, oh, Spooner G. I can't forget Spooner G. Spooner G, extreme, because I think, um, I think that, I think love rap, I fell in love with love rap, uh, the beat, the, the, the bat. That was one of my favorite beats, because it was easy to bang on the table at school and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So I, I, I definitely need to get Spooner G his props for sure. Yeah. You know, and then on the back of that, that's when I think they was on Enjoy. So that's when you had Coogee Rap was on one side. I mean, not Coogee Rap. You had Spoonie G on one side, and then you had um, the Treacherous Three on the other side. You know what I mean? So that's when people used to buy vinyls. You know what I mean? But to get back to the question, though, Wacky, like Bull Wacky's is a legend. He's, um, he's actually like the first reggae producer in America. Right. You know, with, with a studio, so he, he he's you know he's known worldwide for that uh, to be a, a regular pioneer. So I grew up in the studio, though it was more um, regular music at the time. But um, being American born, I, I I gravitated to hip hop primarily. Though I always was around music, I grew up in like a Rastafarian kind of culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I reflect about it, you know. But Wacky's definitely the pioneer. Shout out to Pop Dukes. Um, he worked with he worked with the You know what I mean? So I grew up in music, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And Pop even got he has even music equipment and the less Pardon me, what did you say, God? That he has, he has music equipment that he's built back then in the seventies that are now laying to the Les Paul Museum today. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely an icon. I mean, in Japan, I mean, worldwide, but in Japan, his following is crazy. I mean, you know, props to the icon. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Anybody who know about music, regular music, definitely. I know about it. You know, last year they featured him in the Times, and uh, you know, he, you know, he got, he, they give him his, he's getting his flowers while he's alive. You know, spoke to him this morning actually. Yeah, man. One thing, yo, I, I wasn't being on the set. I ain't no nigga. What he said? I wasn't on the set. I ain't no nigga. It was interesting because I was hanging out one night. I seen Jay. That time when, um, last time in, um, about what, 93, 94, he was more obscure at the time, you know, and uh, I seen him. I, I was out, shifty roots, doing his thing, so I was running up and down. I seen him, he was like, yo, that, I was telling him, yo, that record is hard. He's like, yo, we getting ready to shoot the video in Miami. I said, yo, I'm gonna fly down to that. He's like, yo, just have your people, you know, we talking big, right? Have your people call my people, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then from there, I just, I just flew down. And it's right. funny she asked me about that because um, there's, a, there's an infamous picture that floats around. Yeah. With, with, you know, with me, Jay, Mike Geronimo. Big. Uh, big. Definitely big. And there's another brother kneeling in the front. I, I never found out who he was, you know what I mean? But I didn't, I didn't know about that picture until uh, yeah, years like, after. 
Yeah, that wasn't really taking a lot of flicks back then. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, people were, people were in the front of the camera back then. Nah, it, it was funny though, because when I seen it, I think um, my cousin Barnes had sent it to me because Irv had posted it one time. And you know, like the majority of the pictures I've seen in the back, I'm like, yeah, I forgot. You know, I didn't, some pictures I didn't even know existed. You know what I mean? So that was one. I'm glad, I'm glad I, I stepped up for that one. That's gonna go down in history, you know? No doubt. Ain't no nigga Foxy Brown. Shout out to Foxy Boogie Brown. That's when she was just coming up. That video had a lot of cameos. And the way it was shot, too, was like at that time, was like, all right, this is where hip hop is going. I can jump on. This is hot right here. It was flavor. The production, too. The way the the production of that particular record was so raw. How, how, how the like you know how they caught the essence of like uh, yeah. how DJs how DJs would catch it like you know they had that feel to it you know and um it was an interesting time back then you know because um many it, I look at that as a Renaissance time because there were so many artists who was spectacular in their own right. So many clicks was spectacular in their own right. And that's when the pen game was important. Having a style was important. People representing where they were from. That was important, you know. It, it meant something to have the integrity in the game. And simultaneously, the West Coast was making so much noise at that particular time. Right. So it was like, we was absolutely attempting to be the best artists that we could be because it was so competitive. You know what I mean? Right. When, you, when you look at that time, there, there's so many people who could have could could be overlooked in history if, uh, if 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 people are not true hip hop heads. You know? That's right. You had you had a lot of more hip hop back then too. So every kind of people kind of kind of filled in and came in and left and you don't even hear about them no more, man. Like, I, I used to like Casanova Rudd. Right, that's interesting. It, it, no, but seriously, when you think about it, right, it's like, it reminds me of like the Bible where, you know, it, it's like you hear a name in history and then you don't realize how influential they were in a particular time and how they influenced the scene at the time. You know, right. it's like, you know, cause to me, when you had like a label at that time, it gave you an advantage because it was just more promotion, more more people, more hands to spread the word about the particular music. Right. So you had people who were hot, but just depending on who they was, you know, on, it, marketing and promotion was a big factor, you know, right. and, and, and connections, because, once you had the, once you had somebody who had connection with BT, the box, you know, right. who's making some moves. You know? Right. That's right. That's right. You know, so you know, that's how I looked at it though. But it was, uh, you know, because it, it was clicky, right? You had boot camp out. You had dog pound. You had, you know, that pre pre firm. Pre firm, right? You, uh, yeah, uh, 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 well, yeah, EP and DNM. You came out, on, you came out on your own label, correct? 
we came out on our own joint. You know I mean, Red No Friends, big shout out to Big Fun Fashion. You know, we from the Valley, so we grew up, we grew up jamming. I grew up like jamming, street jams, you know, to have sounds come out. Um, I, lived, I lived on Corson and Boston Road. Okay. And from right there, right there by Burger King, you can hear it. You can stand you can hear, I was just thinking that when you said that. That was when, like on Sundays, you can hear the music from miles around. Miles Everybody away. just walking down Hammersmith, down Needham. Everybody, you know, people yes, walk, everybody just coming and just hear the music and just gets louder and louder. Yes, so it was a, it was a, it was a great time, you know. Um, people, you know, that part of hip hop is. It's the genesis, it's the nucleus of it all. You know what I mean? It's like the atom of everything, the element. And, um, you know, the culture has evolved to something totally different where I'm not hating on it, but it's just evolved. You know, I don't even know. It's, it's, we, we, don't, we don't really dictate the voice of the culture like at one time it was. So it's not, it's not in its purest form anymore. Nah, and I agree, man. Do you ever think and, and and the way production is made, I don't, I agree with you on that. Okay, Zane. Do you ever think that 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 I would say somewhat that type of essence has come back? I know fully for for people to grasp, like a lot of the people that's 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 going to be looking at this interview, like especially like you know the the, the youngins, they would never be able to imagine the impact that the 90s had on us and especially like the 80s too but do you think that um we can ever get back to somewhere near that type of feeling again because i feel like in the 80s and the 90s it was so much of an overload of talent like you had wu-tang you had like i said mob d tribe called quest epmd uh fat boys uh run dmc and so on and so on so do you do you do you ever feel that um there might be a way that we can tap tap back into some of that some of that synergy that we had back in the day and for people to actually really like appreciate that because right now I kind of feel that um hip hop it can get back somewhere to that place but it's still kind of like oversaturated as far as like with corporate um no I don't think that <laughs> no, no, because it, it, it's one of those concepts in where you had to be there, right? Because it, it's it's like in its core, it was it was all new energy. It's like uh, the Big Bang Theory, right? It's like something erupted, and out of that eruption, we had so much elements and force that carried it that it just kept exploding in this distance. It's just like a universal concept. So right. if you want to do the Big Bang Theory, you, you know, then you only gravitate to one aspect of the element that, that you caught, right? Where right. at that particular time, it was so pure that everything was all together. So we was hearing the heart with the consciousness. We was hearing the street with the talent. We was hearing people talk about subject matter, then talk about their skills. You know, and then it's at the same you know, at, at the same time, it was really about how you was getting your message across. Then it was about production, right? The sound that you're hearing. 
you know, you had Jamal Iman with his sound. And then we don't we don't want to forget about those the Queens brothers with his sound because you gotta remember when I think was it Herbie was it, it was Herbie Love Buzz, that's Love Buzz over there with Salt and Pepper now. Herbie Salt you can't with that kid and play sound, that salt and pepper sound, you know. That those those things are extremely influential. You know what I mean? Not to mention Marley Maul and, and what he was doing over there in Queensbridge. And then what was going on with KRS and BDP up top, you know, so everybody, the craft was, the craft was at a point where it was so important. It was such about the, the, the integrity of the artistry and, and the, um, the true sincerity of the artist, right? What he's representing, what he's about, because you're not gonna wanna make music that when you walk outside your house, he can't represent, you know, you, 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 you know, because people forget the chain snatch, sneakers taken, you know, it was that that type of, they wanted to shoot him, but when you get roughed up, people will know it, you know. I remember when the, when Beach Street was out, and then the artist um, who was doing the great, great dancing, when he had the Kazals, used to hear stories that around his neighborhood used to get roughed up. Because people looked at him as a star, and you know, the street, it was different. The streets was different from the music. And then once the music and the streets kind of came together, it's like the streets left with the music, you know? And, and I think that's where some of the transition came. Do you, yeah. do you feel yeah. that, because back, back then, then you had so many different labels that was doing exceptionally well. And over the past, let's say, two decades, you have like Universal, Sony, and two others that basically bought out all these other record companies. So do you think that actually like switched the paradigm of how music was, was, was being put out? Well, absolutely, because basically, we, were, uh, we had a lot of independent labels. So a lot of independent labels, we have multiple relationships. Right, so now when you when you consolidate all the labels, right, you, you, you know everything is coming through one channel. So when you enumerate it, everybody can't come through first, second, third, or fourth. Right. So then I can skew it. I can I can influence it. I can be like, well, you, you're my child. He's he's my friend's child. So you're gonna be in the house with me. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna give you I'm gonna beat you up on my platform because. I got a love for you, or you could be my child. That's my good child, that's my bad child. I'm gonna look out for my good child over my bad child. So it, 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 it skews the relationship based upon the platforms that we're hearing, right? And um, once the corporation got involved in it, that's what I was discussing before, it eliminates the purity of the music because now it's like, it's all about what's making money. Because now that the one hit one is now, will be different from the one hit wonder at that particular time. Because, you know, this is a radio time, stream time. So you could come out with a little Nas X, right? And then little Nas X blow up, blah, 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 blah. This um, corporations run with that. And they paint this whole story around this artist. But, and then two years later, you don't hear anything from right. again, where you'll have one record at that time, how it changed everything for everybody else. 
You, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you heard that? It's like when, like when Kane came out with Raw, right? Yeah, stock up. Listen to that. When you had, um, when you had Snoop Dogg and, uh, and Dre come out with, um, uh, was it Deep Cover, right? right? These are like singles. Or, or when Joe did Flojo as a promo on, on the radio. These are singles. And then, you know, when, so you, and I, I didn't, earlier we didn't mention, um, the native tongues as, as influences and the jungle brothers as influences. Right. right, and I want, yes, and I want to shout out to Cool Chip and um, Cool Chip and Chuck Chillout because a lot of times I don't give, they don't get the credit that they deserve, especially coming from Northeast. Where we from, where we come from. You know what I mean? And I'm glad you said Northeast Bronx, but we had King Fade on here from Shirt Kings, and we was talking about the talent above 180th Street all the way to Mount Vernon. There's so much talent that's not even tapped in up there, B. For the most part, that's based upon the lack of industry influence at the time. You know what I mean? Because like Manhattan, Brooklyn, you know, Queens, those are where those young those younger CEOs is coming out of, right? To me. Like, you know, your Russell, your Ty, right. you know, the, uh, and they, because even Brother Eric, Eric B, these people were already with the radio station and, and, and stuff like that. Shout out to Red Alert. So, in my in my older days, recently, you know, we were discovered like, okay, in the beginning when um, Kiss was playing music, they was, Red Alert and Chuck Taylor were submitting tapes, right? Right. Where in Queens, Mr. Magic, Mr. Magic, he was playing the music live, and that just goes back to what we talk, what you're talking about, right? Uh, with the with the talent in the Bronx, not tapped into in comparison to when a brother like Magic is over there, he's in Queens, you know, Queens, Brooklyn, right? And that, and that's more politically correct, and then or politically tied together based on proximity. Then you have, you know, you have to go through Chuck Chill Out, you know what I mean? From the Bronx to, 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 hear, out. to, hear, to hear, hear yourself, you know? So well, we got, like the outlets for that, for that area was different. That's why we gotta give thanks to Red Alert. Because Red Alert, he had the air in which he allowed raw talent to shine. He gave you an opportunity once he recognized your uniqueness. And I've got to appreciate that because Red Alert gave us a lot of, of uh, exposure. Yeah, I want to go back for a second for what Zane was saying when yeah. Zane was about will we ever be able to kind of get back to that golden era. And I think that I don't see us getting back to that golden era because I agree with you. I think that once corporations became involved, hip hop became more so business oriented and more about capitalism. Absolutely. And I, and I also think that one of the things that sometimes we get lost in is that that music was a representation of those times, right? So now we look at the music now and what the quality of the music is now and because we're not, we're yes, we're a product of this time, but this isn't our time. This is the next generation's kind of time. So I wonder if we were having this conversation 20 years from now, 
if it would be the same thing. I'm sure like our our um our kids would probably be saying like, damn, like yo, I want to get back to the the mid uh, 2010s and the 2020s. This is because to me, it's just a product of the time. Like we talking about the 80s, and we were saying Melly Mel earlier. Melly Mel, all of his lyrics were basically infused with what we were experiencing in the neighborhoods in the Bronx. You know, when you get into the 90s, you start talking about everything about or well, late 80s into the 90s, the native tongues, and when you know it was proud to be you proud to be black, and people wasn't rocking chains as much as they were rocking even the medallions was the thing to rock. And it was all about a skill, having skills and demonstrating you had skills. Now, hip hop to me, the trajectory is just about bragging about how much drugs you do, how much money you get, what kind of cars you have, uh, twerking and all those things. And I wonder if that's just a sign of like the, of, of the evolution of, well not the evolution, maybe the continuum of where the music is at, right? So I don't, I don't know if, if we're ever going to get back to that golden era because I think it really was, it's about the time period and I think one of the things that hip hop hasn't figured out how to do that some of the other genres of music has been able to do is that I think there are some hip hop songs that are timeless, but for, for the most part, us as consumers of hip, hip hop, I think that we've become okay with hip hop being disposable. Like you think about rock stars who may not be, may not have a hit record on the radio right now, people aren't calling them washed up. They're calling them legends. Right. And they were selling out all these these shows and going overseas and doing these big numbers, but we just we discard all hip hop pioneers. We discard them and we like, oh, you know, he, he's done, he's finished, you know. So I think that that's more so about us as consumers of music and fans of the genres, how we begin to actually appreciate the craft, you know, because if we don't appreciate the craft and recognize that golden era and keep that golden era alive, then it's always just going to be on to the next. That's a fact. That's a fact, and I and, and 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 I can interject with that is, is I love all my artists. I still buy KRS One. I still buy Sadat X. I still buy Uber. I still buy it all. I don't even fuck with none of the new shit. And then all my old, all my old love, they still make quality music to this day, to this very day, sir. Huh? Okay, all right. Now I have to ask, what do you? Do you think that's about the music or do you think about the, it's about the narrative of the music? And how much of that has to do with us as a people and how we deal with each other as as a family, you know, as a, as as a people then, or as black people then, you know? And it's about the love of um, love, self-love, respect, right? And, and then, the the, the, the the merger of corporations, right? It's just like hip hop could be like the news, right? You, you turn on the news, you see the news that they want to report, right? Like somebody could have got robbed on the block, somebody could have got shot on the block, and no cameras is out there to to show that part of it, right? So I think it's just the element of how we deal with these, like, deal with ourselves as a culture as a people, and I think that is just transcending into hip hop. And then, right, it, it's just, to me, it's just a microcosm of the world and its life right now. Right? Mm -hmm. I agree, I agree. To, I me, to me, I think it's uh, it's, it's several things, but for, for the top three to me, would have to be uh, music on a, on, a, on a broad basis, going from analog to digital, 
um, it'll be technology because uh, imagine if they had social media back in the nineties, right? That, now, now, right? Music, music could travel a lot faster. We wouldn't depend on maybe a, a handful of DJs that had these. Directed to, son. You know what I'm saying? We wouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, having like a handful of DJs that have this great music, but we waiting for them to put it out because right now a DJ like say Funkmaster Flex or Red Alert or whoever get get these tracks, all these DJs trying to be the first ones to play it on their radio station, whether right. it's on terrestrial station or, or not. So if if we had social media back then, I think um, things would have been way crazier it would be like stuff that we going through right now it would have got saturated real quick yeah, but yeah. but i was going to say well i think that add to why we appreciated the music so much because it wasn't everywhere and um it, it gave it, it like we was able to go like yo you got to go to the source to hear what's new hear what's hot right so now because that is digital and people take it for granted. Because one, I want to just um, digress into the concept of pioneers being appreciated. When we when we would go overseas, people still appreciate those said pioneers, mm -hmm. right? And vital, mm -hmm. right? But because we're here, people don't appreciate it. You, you know what I mean? It's like what's one man's treasure is another man's trash. Vice versa, what's another man is one man's trash is somebody else's treasure. So it's just how we look at it. And it's up to us to teach the youth them about the, the generation. Like with, with my son, he's 18. I go through a little drill with him right now. Like, yo, who was on Bad Boy Day? I mean, who was in Junior, junior Mafia? But you know what I mean? Because we, one thing I have to criticize us about um, Generation X is we didn't do the greatest job in teaching the, the culture or the tradition, we more was caught up in living it and going for what we knew. And I think that's problematic because we carry the culture. So if we don't tell the story, if we don't discuss the narrative, then other people are gonna take the opportunity to do that. It's like, we can't be mad if somebody else take our story because we're not telling the story. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's our responsibility as a culture. So. Like when brothers like you get together and say, yo, this is what we're doing, you gotta respect it, right? That's right. That's yeah. what makes the difference. Yeah. And then the thing about it, when we allow others to tell a story, they, they put their narrative, they provide their narrative rather than with the actual with yeah. the actual story of it. Look, look, look at the world we live in now. Mm -hmm. I, when I, sometimes when I'm out and I'm, I'm looking at it like, look at this, 15 months ago, you. This wasn't our world, you know what I mean? So everything that we hear as far as information, how do we know what's true and what's not true? I mean, let's be real. They, what, what do we know? What do we know is fact? What's facts, right? <laughs> Who do we trust with this information that they're telling us, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we fall away from the essence. So we just got to now, you know, we just got to get back to the essence of who we are as universal beings so we can tap into that power. You know, because right now, we really by ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know, so, so, I, I, I'm just kind of veer off, but when you think about the information that we have, 
and where we got it from. You, you can look into it and see it's very limited. Television, church, school, politics, right? And those narratives have been controlled for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, now that you go to school, you pledging allegiance to a flag. Now, when I look at it as a grown person, I look at that as indoctrination. Even American history, that's indoctrination. Mm-hmm. You know, so what they're doing with the music, you know what I mean? Fast forward, they're indoctrinating the music. It's the same thing that happened with rap, I mean, with, with rock and roll, with R&B. You know, history is repeating itself. The trick is digital, right? We could be like, oh, we see a problem, we're gonna address it. You know, we can have this type of dialogue and bring these conversations to the table so we could ass- we could associate everything with one another. Because when they teach us things episodic, right? You don't see a timeline. So that creates confusion, right? But when we could give you a timeline and make sense of what was happening along the way, then we have a stronger understanding of it. Right, you can right. refer back to it and do your own. Yeah, reading. because you, you go to school, you're hearing about Christianity, you're hearing about dinosaurs, you're hearing about Christopher Columbus, you're hearing about slavery, then you're living in a particular time. I mean, when you learn, how do you put that time frame together? I like, you know, right. it's when, not like they're like, well, this came first, then this, then that. You know, they tell you Christopher Columbus discovered America. Then you get older, you know, well, he never really came to, to North America. And why are y'all telling us all my years that he discovered America if y'all already knew that he didn't discover America? It's like, so when you really face certain things, all right, boom, you know, I grew up with Rockefellers, right? And, and, and grew up with Christians, right? Now, we have in the Ross saying, Bun Babylon, Bun Paul. But I don't know what they talked about. I'm like, well, my grandma was to praise the Lord Jesus, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But then when you fly up in a plane, they tell you heaven, I, I flew when I was early. They tell you heaven was in the sky, hell is under the ground. Mm-hmm. Once I went up in the sky, and I'm like, yo, I don't see heaven's gate. I don't, hear, like, I don't see a sign of heaven. So now I'm confused, right? That's right. Then they tell you dinosaurs used to be here. I mean, like, so this is, this, it's, it's controlled confusion, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we see that in the music, right? You said, you mentioned prior, all the older heads still make music, right? But you don't hear them because the corporations don't see the money in that. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're controlling the narrative of the music. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, now we got to go out there and go dig up and go find music and stuff like that, you know? I got, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna say something that I'm gonna, I know I'm running, but I'll say this. I miss 2000, like from 2000 to like 2015 music. I missed that whole era because I was thinking the music was dead, the mumble rap this, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm looking, this rock Marciano was out there killing. You have all these, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, there's a lot, yeah. There's, there's, so I'm right now. I'm catching up. I'm excited with the pen, but I, what what happened? It's like because of the radio, right? And I'm not buying mixtapes and not stuff like that. It's like I'm just like ah, the music is dead. The music is gone. But it's just I'm just viewing it from a radio level, from the access that I have and the information that I have for who's putting on music that I would be checking for. Yeah, right. right. 
Now it's like because of fat fans and them in Buffalo, it's like, ooh, you know, because of boom back, right? When I heard the beats, it's a, you know, to me, like the Griselda music is the beats. And then you hear the spitting, and so now we're trying to relate who sound like what, blah, blah, blah. You know, meanwhile, when the essence of people in New York at that time trying to sound like everybody else. Yeah, the sound and, effects and all that. Yeah. I mean, but why? Because it's being dictated and controlled by different people. Mm-hmm. So when you have people dictating something and you want to be a part of it, you start to you start to change, you start to adapt to the new thing so you can be a part of something. You can be a part of it. Yeah. And that's where the danger starts. But if it was a fair race, right? We have an outlet for everybody. And then we can pick and choose who we like. Mm-hmm. You know, but you don't get a choice. It, it's like bread, right? You go, I do like this particular bread. But then the company starts putting the bread out, right? What you want to do? You got to go, so you got to look for something else and start eating bread. You know what I'm saying? So it's that type of thing. I just think when the options become limited um, purposely, then you, you run into a situation where we run into right now. Yeah, right. So. It, it, interesting enough you say that because you would think with the internet, that we would have more access and we would have more availability and exposure to other things. Plus with radio kind of being on its way out, like radio is not what radio once was. But I think, I blame New York radio for destroying New York hip hop. Like New York radio, they really did a number on it. A lot of people thought on the back of Ebro at Hot 97, but I don't think he was alone in that. I just think that New York, they were afraid to break new artists and they played everything. They jumped right on the bandwagon. But it's south. One thing I could say, I say also, like now I live in Connecticut. I spend a lot of time going back and forth to Georgia. And you look at where other states you go to their radio format, it's far more, you know, it's to me, it's far, there's far more variety on it. Like to me, New York, there's like probably 10 songs in rotation that they play every hour, just in a different, a different uh, arrangement of them. But you hear the same 10 songs all day on the radio. You know why though, right? You know why, right? Guys, you go down to Manhattan, all them damn labels headquarters right down there in Manhattan. <laughs> they not down in Georgia. They not in no other state. <laughs> right. That's a fact. See, that's where the money coming, right? The corporation, that's where that's where the damage is done. Because New York is the Mecca. So those those corporations, they're gonna constantly because they are competitive. So they're gonna compete and do what they can. They they, they lobbyists. It's just a microcosm of the world, right? These corporations are lobbyists. There's only three people to massage. So it's like these labels get, these, the, the, the stations get spoiled. And then the bosses or the owners of the, of, the, of, the, of the stations get spoiled. And they dictate you, they dictate to you what you should do, what should, you should pay. This narrative that we're discussing is really not new, but it's great that we reiterate it every time we come down the court because this is what destroyed the game. Right. Lack of choice, lack of options, mm-hmm. game keepers, right? Because, I mean, that, that bad boy, Death Jam, Sony Columbia, it's like as an independent artist, you can't, you can't go there. What you gonna do with that? And everybody's spending millions of dollars and you coming with your $100 and $300 budget. You gotta go to the college station. And even right now, to the point that you made about digital and DJ, but at this particular point, everybody's buying for your time in the digital 
in the digital world. It's, it's like, I can't listen to everybody who I want to listen to in this time because everybody's battling for your time digitally, right? Yeah. You got podcasts, you got the radio, you got uh, you got your Spotify, you got your Apple Music. I mean, you got TV shows. Like, how much time of the day could you sit down and listen to all of this content that out that out there and then still live your life? That's true. Yeah. It, it's difficult, you know. Really? People, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, why'd you do a podcast?" Blah, blah blah. I mean, how much people are other people going to listen to? It's like. There's people I want to listen to, I still can't get to listen to. But you, you gotta, you gotta keep the lights on, right? Yeah, again, it's very oversaturated. One of the things I wanted to kind of change, change the subject about is you started a clothing line, Moishi, uh, Miyoshi, back in the day. How did, how did you get that started? And what, what kind of, what information would you have for someone wanting to start their own, like, their own fashion clothing line today? All right, I'm a. I'm, that's that was Len, that's my brother Lennox. Shout out to Lennox, right? That's Lennox. Lennox. Um, basically, we was doing we was doing tailoring all the time up at two forty first. When my father had the studio, we, um, we, um, my brother we used to make pants, right? Then we incorporated making pants, making shirts, and suits. We ended up started printing MCM. Um, so we were known for linen suits. We was making. Um, outfits for the majority of the, um, the dance hall MCs, dance hall DJs at the time. So, um, with that being said, um, when a fan, when Bro went to California, he connected with um, uh, um, Rough, Rough, Roughwear, and with the knowledge and information that he had for making clothes, uh, and I run up at 241st Hollywood Fashion, he brought that information to California. He collaborated with, with Ruff Wentworth. It was doing rough, rough for a while, and then and L decided to branch out and then do Miyoshi, and and that's how 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 that started. So it was like making custom pants to making custom suits. We running the business up there in the Bronx. Bro went to Cali, got with Wentworth. Um, they did the rough, and then Fams broke out and did Miyoshi, and. Um, you know, we started with, you know, started with t-shirts at first, then we started outfits, females, outfits, um, athletic wear, then we went into the denim and, um, you know, outfits and sweatsuits. That's how, that's the, how that went, like, in, um, in order. As far as the, the, um, the clothing game, the clothing game is interesting, um, just like the big boy game from when I got there, because what I did was when I left, when I was jaded by the music, I went to Cali, I was doing marketing and promotion for uh, for national, for the family of the Ocean brand, but a lot of people don't even know that part, to be honest with you. And I did, you know, it was rock, it was, at that time it was like rock star, like, like yeah, FUBU, yeah, FUBU was the really, really, like the big dog in the building. Then you had, uh, you know, you had the Met Kids, you had the Sean Johns, you had Rockefeller and all of them. But the key to that is, Having a, a, a real designer, right? Designer having um, resources to, to what you do is with, with the clothing is like everything else. You start from something, you master that, you add on to it. So we started with the T-shirts. We um, created your logo, your branding. The principles are going to be still the same. You got to have your branding, right? You have to have your blueprint, and then you got to have your administrative aspects of it where you can execute you know, 
things in a timely manner. And um, that's how I looked at that. We had the ups, we had um, the people who made samples. You have sample makers. You have an idea. You uh, you illustrate your idea. Uh, you you get somebody to bring that idea to life. Whether it be like you know you have a logo idea, you bring it to life. You look at it. You say okay, we like this, and then you mass produce it. You mass produce it domestically. It'll cost more. You know, you send it overseas, it, it costs less. It's just about having relationships again with manufacturers who could uh, take your sample, mass produce it, and package it in a way, in a timely fashion, that you can get it out to the consumer. You know, because with 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 with, with, um, with the clothing industry, you have seasons, you have multiple seasons, and you have multiple sizes. So timing is important when you're coming out the gate. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we have two drops for spring, two, you have two drops. Generally, you have two drops for every season. Every you know, season. you got your, your, your fall one, fall two, spring one, spring two, summer one, summer two. So, and you're you going to get ahead, right? Yeah. So, you, yeah, yeah, and you're a year ahead. So, you have clothing conventions like magic. Like, you know, it should be a big thing. I, I, I removed myself from, from those things, but this is this was at this time. So, I could just give you that. And then anybody else who's more modern is it, more likely the same or very similar. But you have magic, the magic convention. We have the vendors, the retailers. They come, they come, they walk around like a big flea market or or it's a lab. Like magic is like the clothing company lab where the retailers come and be like, oh, I like this. I think this will sell good at my store because the retailers have a relationship with their customers. Right. They, they like this. And then it's for you when they pick it, it's okay. I like this denim. I like this outfit. Um, they need it at their particular place at a particular time, and then you want to be out the gate when they need it, so you could. So they use the square footage. They use the square footage that they provide for you as a clothing company, right, to get your product out to the people. You know what I mean? So it's like it's principally it's the, it's the same. The, 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 the business principle is the same. You got to have your branding. You got to have your marketing, but. The product is important. Timing and when it and when it drops is important. You know, right? Yes, yeah, But that Miyoshi stuff was a um, it was a whole different era because you know you know we left East Coast, West Coast, and I created a lot of relationships over there like that. So you was running into a lot of a lot of the same people at that time. It, it was an interesting run over there. Mm-hmm. That Miyoshi stuff was big. We used to have the tour bus. It was like rock and roll life, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. It was rock and roll life, and it was good to see like all the young brothers coming together and branching out. But to me, another thing, you know, once the industry, once corporations got involved in it, the big boys came in and they do what they do. Damn. Yeah, they do what they do. Now you see, look at it. You see Sean John as we speak, 2021, Puffy soon, soon Sean John, man. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it's like I it's saw funny. that. I said, "Oh man!" But it just shows you how the game goes. Like you lose control at a certain part, and then at times, we as a consumer on on the bottom of the pyramid don't realize how the relationships is built. So a lot of times, people attach their names to things, but they really don't have any ownership. But because their name is affiliated, you, you make money off of your name, and then when that relationship. Um, comes to an end, 
then everybody starts to show their true colors. And it's a free you know what I mean? So the, to be honest with you, the key word is ownership. Own, like own your masters, own your brand, own your label, own your logo. Keep it yours. Yeah, but I tell you this, it, it sounds easy and it sounds good, right? But they're not gonna just pick you up when they feel like you know too much. And then, Cause the key is this, if you know as much as you know, you don't need us, you can figure it out on your own. Right. We're gonna go out there and get somebody who we gotta brush up, dust off, tell them what they wanna do and they gonna listen, you know what I mean? Because if you know too much, then you're gonna give us too much talk, you're gonna want points, you're gonna want, you're gonna want what you're supposed to have. And we don't have time for that, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you want me to treat you like my child, and I want to treat you like a client, you know what I mean? And you're there for that's the love, you know, that's why I was like, yo, when you go to these things, Huh? No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, so that's why when you go into these situations, if, if you're not organized to demand what you want and with your own value, then a lot of times you gotta accept what you have and then you sacrifice a portion of, of what you're doing and, and trust yourself and your skill to, to get you past a certain point. Right. Now, I'm definitely glad you said that because um, prime example is the, 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 the great story that uh, Percy Miller did, AKA Master P, when he said that Interscope offered him a million dollars he said, damn, when Jimmy Iovine offered him a million dollars, he said, damn, if this guy offered me a million dollars, I can I could do it on my own because it's definitely something that Jimmy Iovine saw in Master P as far as his marketability, his 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 uh his his uh music, his his, his movement. So I'm very glad that Master P was uh one of the one of the few that actually turned down money like that and actually took the time out. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll take a, a, a longer time, but at the end of the day, Master P definitely had, uh, you know, you know, made the right decision to uh, turn down that, that million dollars because he might have made four hundred million, if not yeah, more. He, you know, he, he's the blueprint. So yeah. it's like, but you know, people may not revere Master P as they revere like a Dr. Dre, right? Right. You know, what I mean, it, it, so it all depends on your knowledge of what it's all about. I mean, because to own it, you have to start from somewhere. You, 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 you know, you can't own something or demand something if you don't really, if you need help to get to where you need to go. So that, that that's, the, that's the trick of it all. It's like the vulnerability in, in, in a situation as a person or, or a company, you know, the more you have to bring to the table is the more negotiating probably you have to work with out the gate, you know, and and, um, and everybody is not starting on that on the same level. So that's that's the trick of our ownership. You know, it's like it, it's, it's almost like if, if Amazon comes to you guys right now, they say, okay, so MTV or Charlemagne, yo, I wanna I wanna get with your podcast right now and put it on my platform. You know, now, now you got now you got to do your own evaluation, now, right? What, what's really gonna happen? And then, or, or sometimes they want to like, okay, well, you don't want to sell it to us, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at everything you did, and we're gonna bite it. <laughs> we're gonna steal it. We're gonna steal it. You know, that has to be right. Like, okay, you uh, you didn't want to take our million dollars, so we're gonna go down the block and offer him a half a million dollars. You know what I mean? And he's gonna take. This half a million dollars, and he's gonna give me 
for you guys so I could tap into your market. You, you see how it goes? So it's us as a people, we have to revere, we have to learn how to love ourselves, bro. I, I, you know, because we'll never be able to, to hold anything if we don't respect and love ourselves. And that's what we gotta teach the kids, because it's, it's hard. It's not easy to, to, to tell, you know, because my son, you know, I always complain about people don't listen. I'm at an age where I'm not even arguing with nobody, bro. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, it's like, I'm asthmatic, every breath means something, you know. Like, I, you know what I mean? I don't want to waste my time, because I know what I know, right? So it's like, and everybody going to feel, you know, and then nowadays it's like people don't have no respect, no order, you know what I'm saying? Right. So everybody want to be heard, and I, and I respect it. I'm a great listener. I like to listen. But when I get the opportunity to drop some gems or the vibe, I'm going to do that because it's not many times I'm going to do that. Because right. I don't have time to... I speak to the deaf. I wrote recently, I, I speak I speak for the, I speak to the deaf and they don't hear me. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm like, we listening to, we're we going to listen to each other. Hopefully the younger generation that you, you know, referred to earlier, they can listen to it. It's like, listen. Listen to the OGs, man. We not, we not, um, our grandmama's grand, we not that type of grandparent. We are hip hop. You know what I mean? We, we, we do, we great, we hip hop. Our rhyme right now. You know what I mean? We, this is what we love. We are carrying the culture. You know, this is passion right here. This is, this is what the 80s and the, the, the 90s did to us. We were like, listen, we are going to keep this story pushing forward. Because it can get lost. You know, when, he, when I think about Enoch, uh, that's why I referenced the Bible earlier, Enoch, right? In, in, in the Bible that, that we are in right now, where people follow the most, Enoch is only mentioned one time, right? But when Enoch lived, I mean, for over hundreds and hundreds of years, he was the man, right? So it just depends on where you're getting your information to what you're going to be exposed to. That's a fact. You know what I mean? So it's like... You're in the right circles, in the right place, to get the right knowledge that you're looking for. And if not, yeah. you can easily be misled. Or, or, yeah, or, or, yeah. Elvis is the king of rock and roll right now, right? <laughs> yeah. When you are because District Roots, you District Roots independent. But yeah. after you did something solo with Nervous, correct? Yeah, that Nervous... Fort Master Flex told me to go over there. Um, you don't look excited about that. Well, I mean, Nervous was a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, I, I, okay. Nervous was good. It, 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 it taught me, it taught me why I was independent, right? And it also made me understand how much control that we don't have in certain arenas, right? And it also it also made me learn a lot about integrity as well right because it was a scenario where they were like oh well tell people your album is coming next year right but i'm like well but i, I we didn't even discuss the album budget right? so it was like so maybe if i told them the album was coming next year maybe we would have a better relationship you know what i'm saying but it's like, 
I'm I'm like a master key type, right? It's like uh, uh, the only reason why I'm up there is because I did some stuff from before this. You, you, you know what I mean? And um, and so the people respect who I am when I walk in a building. I want to be the same person when I leave the building, but because y'all don't know it because it's not on the big label or whatever. Or y'all, you know, y'all just want to throw some change out there because y'all can get more more space for me. Or y'all have more contacts than I do. But it's like, at the same time, they beefing with their main artists, right? I'm up there and they're beefing with Black Moon and Smith & Wesson and them, right? So it's like, um, for my people. So it's like when I see this is what's happening, and then y'all telling me to go do something that's against who I am. Eternal. Then I see where you know this is where the integrity coming. Because some people gonna go in there. Let me say, man. Let me say, I will go there and then say whatever you know, and then hope for the best. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was a good situation because it just got me more exposure. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like it wasn't my money spent now on the on the market. It wasn't our money spent on doing certain things. But at the same time, it's like it had its it has its limits because if they didn't believe in me as an artist per se, then they'd be like, yo, the budget is twenty thousand, that's it. We're not going no no more, no less, no bigger rules, no nothing. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. Because even with much they pay, like the much they pay was an extremely impromptu um session, you know? I went in the session thinking about we going in one direction. It, it's almost like yo. Yo, tomorrow you have a, um, tomorrow, you know, Chris, we're going to get together and we're going to do a song. So when I went, I just, I wrote, I wrote lyrics in advance of that, but as me personally, I like to spend time with my, my, my lyrics because, um, I wasn't the greatest, um, I wasn't the greatest recording artist, you know what I mean? I was, I was a real strong live entertainer, right? But as a recording artist, I had to, I had to, I evolved. You know what I mean? I had to evolve, cause it's like, you can write something, right? But the sound of it, when you go and record it, it's probably not coming across the way you heard it in your head when you wrote it. Right. So when you have time with something, like certain people, that's why you hear like artists, like, oh, I got a lot of records that I didn't put out. You know what I mean? But much they paid wasn't really like that. Much they paid was lyrics that I used my style that I banged it out at the time because it's like I, I understood the opportunity that was at, at, at hand, right? And I and um and I and I and I was skilled enough and I had the talent to do it. But at the same time, it wasn't like you know a Michael Jackson record where you had four or five mixes and you sitting down. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like yo, house club. This is what it is. We getting ready to go knock this out. You know what to do. You know what I mean? And I, I and, and, and so that's why, as a record, you know, when so it's just very interesting. You know what I'm saying? But some people will be like, "Oh, that's my best record." But to me, yeah, it could be my best record, but it's not my best recording. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I look at like, um, enjoy yourself. Like enjoy yourself. To me, that was a hell of a recording. You know what I mean? Because I was able to do, I was able to display myself. You know? Yeah, where I, I can show my skill versus showing my talent. It's like it's similar but not the same. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting you say that. So how did you put that together? No, well I know it it, it, it all right. It was a multi tiered relationship, right? You know, Fan was already up there, he, you know, 
Mad Lion was up there, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. But at the same time, it's like, you know, my shorty and stuff was, was work, it was just, I knew Chris school through his wife, right? Because my shorty was doing her hair. So it was like, I was strictly roots, that's Kara, we was there. So we all, we spoke about collaborating, right? And then because of the relationship, right? With nervous that KRS had at the time, it just made it that much easier to be like, yo, okay, we're gonna book a session tomorrow, when we gonna do it and knock it out, right? But if me and Fan would have massaged that, you know what I mean, that scenario, you probably would have did it different. You, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, so they, they put some money in some studio time, like, work? They gonna do that? All right, tomorrow, we're gonna go in there, we're gonna bang it out, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. that, that's how that went versus, all right, yo, you know, we went up and down, all right, this is the joint we're gonna do together. With Puma, with Puma now, me and Puma, me and Puma ran up and down, like, we used to go drink more. We, we used to be at the Sharks bar. Mm-hmm. I remember some classic days, like, you know, me and kid, Puba in there drinking them Long Island iced teas. <laughs> those, you know, those are the days, though, son. You know what I mean? You at the Sharks bar chilling. You know, it, you know a lot of people pass through, you know? It's funny you say that, because I was going to ask you that also. Like, how did how'd you end up with Fat Joe and Puba on Beg No Friends? Well, because we was all coming. Now, let's talk hip-hop, me and hip-hop. There's a group named True Culture that was, well, no. I remember. New Sounds. New Sounds is a group, Sounds Valley, um, that rock, rock is, is part of the, um, the hip-hop museum right now. Rock is from the valley. Him and Jazzy J had a label named Strong City, right? In Strong City, you had Busy B, Boosie B was over there. You had um, Master of the Ceremonies was over there. Uh, and there, and there, was, there was a couple other brothers, but you had you had um, Chaz Rich and you had Colin over there, right? And basically, something happened where Colin wasn't with the group anymore, so Chaz Rich and, and Rashid are. That's the person who me and Strictly Roots, we, we formulated Strictly Roots. So, I say all of that to say that Fat Joe was in the studio at that time doing his album. And so we had a relationship because we went up there doing music at that time. Well, I wasn't, I was I was doing some writing and I did a uh, collaboration on the New Sounds album, but we was up there during the Strong City time, New Sounds time, so people was always coming through. That's why I was able to make show business in AG. I met Kooji Rap up there. My Busy B, my Boosie B was up there. And, you know, and, and those times I was younger, so, I, you know, like, like Boosie B and, and, and um, Busy B, you know, they was legends at that time. I was just happy to be there because this is because the, 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 it was all Allerton Avenue. The studio was on Allerton Avenue in the Bronx. So that is in Northeast Bronx. That's, that's my part of town, you know what I'm saying? So we were able to, so that's what really happened. I mean, Puba was in there. He, that's where I, I met Sadat X. That's where um, Brand New Vince, right? They, 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 Lord Jamal, they, they started their work up in there as well. So we was doing work as artists all in the same place. And um, 
you know, they did. Because my, my work was done in the studio uh, uh, in Jersey, my props. You know what I mean? But that's how we familiarize each other. And then we became familiarized with each other. And then there's political endeavors after that. Where did Chill Will come from? Well, Chill Will now, Chill Will was, um, was fashion because, see, with the label, with the, with the, with the, um, the French Connection label, it was Biggs and, and, and Rohan, and DJ Fashion. DJ Fashion, he, he did a lot of stuff. He, he used to produce for, um, uh, he did the, he did the three joints. He did the New Sound album. He did the Strip the Roots album. He did the, uh, the True Culture album, right? True Culture was on Cardiac Records at the time. They did Root Boys Come to Play. And, um, you know, but they had the True Culture, they, they put me on their album as well. And New Sound, I was on the New Sound album. So I say that to say that's when the mixtape culture was around, right? And everybody was doing mixtape and stuff like that. So we built a relationship with Chill Will, you know, uh, especially him in fashion. So it was just a nice, it was just a nice gumbo to, to, to come together because Big No Friends actually, the, the original Big No Friends is on the album and the Big No Friend that everybody know is a remix, you know what I mean? Because right. the first single that we put out off of the Strip It Was Bring a Friends album was a Duck the Boys in Blue, anti-police brutality song. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, the psychology behind the music that we was making at that time was Bob Marley music, Marvin Gaye music, right? Signs of the Times music that would last forever. Where I feel like the Vegan Friends remix song was a, it was a move, you know, it's like this, it was more of an attitude, right? But this is how we feel in a certain scenario. It's not like every day you don't feel like, you, man, I pull somebody off the roof or I would do this, but that's like, that's when you're in a particular temperament, right? You have good, bad, and ugly, you know? So that's how I look at it. So that's how we got together. We was all in the same studio that in, in, in that one era when everything was happening. I mean, even Diamond D, I met up there. He's the one who actually, um, did the enjoy yourself beat, so okay. he didn't get the, the, the proper credit he deserves, you know? Wow, wow. Yo, will you remember, will you remember BDP? <laughs> what is that? Will you remember, will you remember Boogie Down Production? Um, no, I, I passed by. I, I, I think, um, at one time I was like, a, a, I, I'll be like, I, I was, I was affiliated. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that um, I think well, this article kind of messed up that relationship because um, in the source, right, you know, you know, KRS was doing the lectures and stuff like that. So some writer wrote, "Oh well, with with B, with Man Lion doing the break game and KRS doing the um, no, it was Madisms, right? Madisms was out, Man Lion was out, Mustard Pay was out, and then KRS was out, but he was doing lectures, so." The dude, somebody wrote, wrote, wrote Dion, with Dion, with Broadway in the streets, you know, he was Broadway running the streets, and was like, yeah, you know, KRS is competitive. He ain't gonna wanna hear, oh, he got the streets. I mean, he did one song, now he got the streets, so, you know, that was funny, but it was a blessing, though, and uh, it's always love, you know what I mean? So, I was affiliated, but we strictly roots, value mall, you know what I mean? That's right. Um, Broadway, that's how we do it. We're not even attempting piggyback off of this or piggyback off of that, you know what I mean? And it's all love, bro. trust me. Yeah, I, I know that you created 
you did some production with Dad and Dub C on the West Coast. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, it was more LT hunting. Um, it was more LT hunting. Um, I, I really, <laughs> LT didn't really, like when I was on the West Coast, nobody really knew who I was. You know what I mean? It's like I was making joints, but it wasn't like the digital world where we at right now. Right. So when I was in, I got an opportunity. So I got mad, yo, man, I, I did so much recording in Cali that, that nobody don't, that won't be heard, right? I was recording my man Chase, man, Chase did like three albums, at least two, two to three. I did at least like one joint with LT Hunting in his studio over there. But you, you know, it never panned out the way it could have, you know what I mean? Which is fine because I, I still have the recordings right. and I still enjoy them myself, you know what I mean? Got the but, right. but it was one of those things where I was in a building, I wasn't really trying to be like, yo, this is who I am, who, who, who. I just made the music for the love of the music. I got them. And, you know, and, I'm just, and I'm happy with that. Do you ever have a, a, a few dream collaborations? And uh, tell me about uh, you know the actual tour or show life. What are what are what are your your, your most memorable moments? You know, dream collaborations. Mm. I, you know, I would I would like to work with Chronics. <laughs> I, I would like to work with with Chronics. Um, I would um I would I would work with um comics. I, I like I like the new artists. Uh, I would I would like to do a joint with Ghost. One of my favorite Ghost artists like Ray, of all time. Ray on something. Maybe me and Penny Max on something. You know what I mean? Me and um me like in Luke Sheik Luke on something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of these singers, you know, I, I like I like a lot of the new new artists that's out right now as far as singers go. I like H E R H E R. I like I, I like I like a lot of I like a lot of artists, man. But Ghost, Sheik, Ray, you know what I mean? Probably Con, I, I I'll say Conway. Because Conway will, you know, Conway will be like uh yeah. So, you know, Conway's gonna go make a heart. He's gonna do his kind of thing, and it's gonna be me. It's gonna be me representing everything that that we represent. So right. it'll be dope because he a penman. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is like an MC. I, I, it's like when I listen to the MC, I'm like, yeah, this is an MC. The MC, yeah. The MC. Them balls together. Yeah, yeah. Man, he, and it's it just. You know, and you know, anybody gonna be like, oh, I like to do this. You know, I like, I, I think rock too. Rock, rock Marciano would be dope. One of my favorite yeah. too, Rock Marciano. Also, uh, you ever heard of uh, Kai from Brownsville? Or oh, Brownsville Kai? Yes. That I, dude is dope, I, man. You know, Brownsville Kai. Yeah, Brownsville Kai. I've been, I listened to him recently within the last month, actually. I picked up Kai because, you see, this is what I was telling you about, like I missed the whole 2010. And now I'm kind of like catching up. Ooh, ooh, I, you know, it's about writing. And um, rest in peace to MF Doom. You know, like when I listen to when I listen to MF Doom's pen too, we're like, ooh, you know what I mean? He's like, oh yeah, he catching everything. You know what I mean? It's um, you know, because you know, as a, as a writer, I could be like, I walk down the street 
I walk down a busy street, you know what I mean? I, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like, you know, that's the difference between like somebody just rapping and somebody who's a writer, right? I, I, I walk down the street. A writer gonna be like, yo, I did he pop down the street, you know what I mean? On the busy, it's like by the time you get to, by the time, by the time, by the time you get from the, just, just walking down the street, you gonna know what street he's on, if it's a busy street, what he see. You know, I was, I was in my dinner walking down the street, you know, my stomach hurting. He's like, that's a writer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Rapper gonna be like, oh, I just walked down the street and I was moving my feet and, and, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, you, anybody could do it. Yes, that part, anybody, that's why people are like, oh, anybody could do that. MC, but, MC is more intricate. Descriptive. More yeah, that, that, that's that. That's that, I, yo, when me and you buck up, you're going to be like, yo, I know he's going to come with some deadly, and I got to answer back with some deadly now. It's like, okay, the endurance of how we're going to do it, you know? Right. It's like one of the best, when Biggie used to play, like, that's one thing I like about when when Biggie was in his prime, right? When Biggie, I think I just heard the story recently, through, um, where Carl Kent was talking about the, um, the Brooklyn's finals. I thought that was a very interesting story. You know, and even when Met the Man and, and Biggie got on the what, you know? I could listen to those sessions and just laugh all the time because I just hear them just going at it, you know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> going at it, you know? Ball for ball, that's right. Ball for ball. So those are the things, you know? And you know, and, then, and I really enjoyed Rock and Rock, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 man. When Rock and Rock used to go in there, my God, it was crazy in there. You know what I mean? It's like, as an MC, man, you gotta be, you know, like Wu Tang, Wu Tang was dead. So it's like, as MCs, you respect the craft and you respect yourself to be the sincere. And, 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 and everything you put on that on that paper, you know what I mean? Like you, like you writing something where you could you could put your life behind, mm-hmm. and, and, and people gonna respect that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's how I look at at the art, the, the game. Can you, you tell me this real quick? Can you tell me this? Uh, from first, second, to third, first being the total total best out of the well I ain't gonna say alright I ain't gonna put too much politics behind it <laughs> Koozie Rap Kane Rakim first second or third when it all come down to it Zane stay pop quizzing somebody no no that's a good question okay um I'm 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 I'm, I'm gonna say Rakim I'm, I'm gonna say Rock Kim. Um, I'm gonna say Rock Kim. This is, this is a nice one. Okay. All right, I'm gonna go. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna explain why. I'm gonna say Rock Kim, King, Kooji Rap, right? Now, Kooji Rap is one of the nicest MCs ever. I mean, he poison, it's a demo. I rhymed over those beats. Yeah, I mean, so. And the only reason why, and, and right, somebody gotta come first, somebody kind of set and come, somebody gotta come third. Rakim is because Rakim, Rakim changed everything with his sound. 
right? And um, plus he's a guard, right? Um, so the knowledge itself that he was bringing, and 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 and, and his and his overall uniqueness, right? Now, with, right, and and they all interchangeable. This is just why. And then Kooji Rap, Kooji Rap is not, I, I, honestly, you like, they all mega nice. So I guess if I, if I drink, it's gonna be, uh, if I drink, it's gonna be Kooji Rap. If I smoke, it's gonna be Rock Kim. You know what I mean? If, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm sober, it's gonna be K. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a real move because they're all are nice. Because when you think about that pen, it's a demo, and the bit that G Rap was putting down, it's just that I, I, I based it on the longevity, right? But you know, even four, five, six when he did the fast life with nine, so mm-hmm. I don't know. That that's more like an essay question. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have to. I, I would like to do my research on that. You can't, you can't get that. There's no way to get the point. No, no it's just gonna be a matter of opinion, man. Because they always, because honestly, I was in. I, I knew where I was at when I heard um, war. I was in the Bronx. I, I, I was actually. Uh, at Caldors, close wow. to the UPS on Boston Road. Shout out to Caldors over the right. And, and when I heard Raw, right, he said, I'm gen- he's like, I'm genuine, like Gucci, Raw, like sushi, the rage is I just, I just didn't know what to do with myself. After that, I like, it's like, I just sat there, like, and ponder, like, as an MC, you just sit down there and ponder. He's like, okay. How did he just, how did he just do all of that? You know what I mean? Especially, you know, you coming from Melly Mel, right? You come from, let's just say, the blueprint, right? Melly Mel. And then you hear King, like what he did with this sentence and phrase, how did he, you know what I mean? It is like, that was crazy. And then how, how they, they that, that writing, that end and the style, right? You know, Rakim had 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 his style. He had that pen. You know what I mean? Kane was versatile, right? And then Cool Giraffe was raw. I mean, nobody can take nothing away from any of them. Them brothers stand up historically. Is it is it is it just Son of Artist? I was asking, is it just Son of Artist? Yeah, Trizzy, Trizzy, nice man. Trizzy, nice and unique. You, because, yeah, because Trizzy, because Trizzy, man, versatile. It's like Trizzy was moving forward when I was stuck in the nineties, right? So he was, um, you know what I mean? He was showing some stuff. I was like, oh no, that's not it. You know what I mean? Like you got some so, but but as far as creativity, because he started producing, Trizzy produced, Trizzy sing. You know what I mean? Like he'll sing, and I ain't, I'm not gonna go sing. You know what I mean? That's why I say he's better because of the versatility, but you know, it, it, we definitely, I like, I love listening to the stuff that, stuff that we do do together, that we okay. do together, right. because when I tell him right now, I call him right now, like, yo son, this is nice. Dude, I mean, because when he was 13, 14 years old, he would have all, all these projects. I like, yo, the Lincoln on campus, then he had his own group, um, Fully, fully focused, fully focused man, you know what I mean? So I just, um, I, we, so we got to piggyback off of each other. And then what, what Triz did, he, 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 he brought the Begno friends in the new, in the, in the new era, right? So he, he carried on tradition. 
Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm proud of that. I'm happy that they did that. You know what I mean? So we fully focused music group. Always busy. Born sports. So we are who we are as um as our own entity. We don't piggyback. I, I'm carrying on a music tradition from my father. All right. So it's like so we three G flexing, three generations flexing. Right. So we, you know, so it, it's real. You know what I mean? I, but Triz is like some Triz. Triz is just um. I just he's his he's his, he's his own worst critic. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the best. That's right. But if you can always look him up, he's nice, son. He's nice, talented, you know what I mean? Yo, when you get a chance, tag, tag me on my iPad. All right, I'm going to do that, man. So what's yeah, next man. for Dion Broadway? What up, dog? What's next for Dion Broadway? Man, attempting to refocus on, um, I'm starting to refocus on what I was doing in advance, um, uh, advance of COVID. I, I, I'm attempting to get, get to do a project, uh, do a strictly roots project, just, just, just because of the music and because of the relationship that me and Raj got, we we want to um we want to do a little like a, a YouTube series. We was talking about you know, strictly roots. That you know, I, I think it's a dope idea. Um, right now, me and my wife and I are working on our own line of products, though. Deanna Nicole. Um, but she, she a genius. I, all I gotta do is just market and manage, you know what I mean? But as far as creating an idea, um, she's, she's a genius, man. It's like, you just, you just gonna put it out there. You're gonna get the bag because financial freedom is the key, right? Then we could, um, we could implement stuff and, and get things done. But I'm loyal to a, to a fault, so, my thing is, I know how to, I know what it takes to get things done. You know what I mean? I've been in getting done situations, mm-hmm. and that's what it's about. So right now, it's about attempting to get this Shukuru's project off the ground again. For the family and for the legacy, get this Dion and Nicole project to the level where it needs to be. You know, what, what, are, so, what, are those, what are those products you have with your wife? So, well, those, those, are, those are more beauty products. Okay. Beauty products, you know, so I don't really, you know, I'm not the right marketing person for a beauty product. You know what I mean? Uh, the ideas, yes. But, you know, like, oh, there go these mink lashes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not that's not good marketing. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and my and um, the wacky, the bull wacky's music stuff. I've been working um, working on that stuff, um, attempting to archive it, organize it to um, to maintain that legacy um, on on a level where where the so the music live on forever, and we control and we control the catalogs because it's like. That, um, the Wackiest Music brand is like, it's an endless, it's endless. I mean, he got so many songs he didn't even put out yet, you know? So I spent, I, so the last couple of years, I spent a couple of years just um, marketing um, my, you know, Sky Barnes, which is my sister, she meant Sky is mad nice. So um, I've been marketing those, um, those, those songs, and I've been attempting to- Sky Barnes? Sky Barnes. Yo, Bond, yo, Bond, it's a billion of y'all. Yo, and, and it's like I got my, my nephews is nice on the mic. You know what I mean? 
the Louis Lano on the mic, I got my younger brother, I got my nephew, I got my son. So it's like, yo, that's why I want to create a, a um, I need to create that foundation where, uh, create that platform, right? right? Where when people is looking for it, and when we when we put it out to the world, um, that they could definitely access it. And then the young the youngsters can carry on the legacy, carry on tradition. You know? There's a lot of work to be done. It's just um, I just hope time is running out for real though. You know what I mean? So that's why we connect with politics, ditto. You know what I mean? Because um, you know. They say, I don't know what I don't know what, what we living in. Right I'm not really sure. This is all new stuff to us, you know. You know, we wearing masks in the street, bro. You know what I'm saying? He was like, this is. I don't know. Are we wearing masks because of COVID, or are we wearing masks because they want to see if they can get all of us to wear masks? That's a good question. I really don't know what's going on. And it's Terminator time, gentlemen. Man right. versus machine, right? Yeah. Right. So hey, Dion, tell, tell, tell people how they can get in touch with you, man. Email. Well, you can hit me on Instagram, you know, Dion Broadway, uh, Dion Broad, Dion Broad, on on the gram right now. I'm, I'm, that's it. You know, my Twitter. I like to keep my Twitter to myself so I can say anything I want to say. <laughs> but really though, it's really just on on the gram right now. I have a Facebook, but. I don't check it. From, I looked at it like for once my mom's and my mother-in-law got on Facebook. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> you know I mean? Hold on there, bro. This <laughs> is a joke. You know what I mean? But um, Instagram, you know, um, you can catch me in my comments on, on like um, in my videos, mostly paid. You know, and um, beg no friends. I like looking at the comments and laughing. You know what I mean? Like, and just just feeling the appreciation because I, I tell you one thing. If I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't allow myself to be jaded by the industry. You know what I mean? I, I just felt like this this is, this is people don't know what it's really about. You know? Mm -hmm. But, you know, but um, yeah, you can catch me on the ground, man. Dion Broadway. You can catch me at Dion and Nicole. You can uh, on on the ground too. I'm behind the scenes on that. I'm, just, I'm in the cuts, man, but I ain't hard to find at the same time. I just want to get things done. Um, I, I just, I fell back for a minute. And um, within the last few years, I've just been making like little little moves to solidify certain things out. But um, I really wanted to push certain things legacy-wise. Um, so I, I really uh, fell back uh, and tried to get this, uh, my father stuff in order, that Bullwackers music stuff in order. I think um, that being a foundation, I feel like that's a big, a big, uh, big monolithic task to handle, you know, because my pops is still an artist, you know what I mean? We all artists in our own way, so we're not gonna move unless we feel like that's the song for us, you know what I mean? That's about that though, man, but everything is blessed though. I, I wanna thank y'all for having me. I'm not gonna do too I'm not gonna do too many of these. I did one. I did one during COVID. You know, I don't. You know, cause I don't want people to ask me too much questions because I can't talk too much. You know? <laughs> too much bad boy thing for real. You know, when I look at when I look at certain things, I say, man, I'm, I'm just like. You ever heard of six degrees of separation? Yeah. I'm like I'm like two degrees of separation. You know what I mean? So it's like. <laughs> 
It's not like I'm chilling. It's not like I'm chilling with my army around me right now. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm in the cuts, so I don't want to say nothing that I'm going to have to figure out how to defend it. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you taking time out to join us. Nah, it was real. It was real. Um, it's always a blessing um, to dialogue about realness, music, fashion, which is hip-hop. Hip-hop is us, us as a people. We got to learn ourselves. We got to tap into our own magic. If I could leave the people with something, I just want them to think about what they've learned and where they've learned it from. And, uh, if, and, and think about if you can believe that source or if you can look deeper for yourself and tap in. Because uh, we're definitely children of the universe, right? And um, we've been limited to just think about ourselves in our own little tribes. And um, it's, it's been done like that on all scales. Hip hop is just a microcosm of us as a people, you know? We don't even know, we, we call each other black, right? What's, what's that? You know what I mean? Like, what flag are you? Where, where, where? We come from black land? We're like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Asians come from Asia. You know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, 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 get the, you get the joke? You know what I mean? It's like, yo, everybody come from, so Italians come from Italy, right? Mm -hmm. Chinese come from China. We're blacks come from. That's, that's, that's made up. So we gotta have knowledge itself. You know what I mean? We come from everywhere. We know, and we've always been here. You know, it's, like it's the biggest trick for somebody to convince you that the land that you've been on, that you're a stranger. You know? it's like, and that takes genius, though, and wizardry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, wizardry, that's what it yo, is. Yo, D, I, I, got, I got a cameo for you, D. One second, yo. You want to come and say hi? Well, I'm cut up. <laughs> Boy, that's lady. You know. What's up, man? Good to see your face. Yeah, but you already know, cuz. You know how we do it, man. You know, we have to do it. We have to do it for the family first, and then we definitely got to do it for the culture. You know what I mean? Oh, of course, of course. Everybody good? Everybody good. You see that family tree back there? I see that. That's beautiful, man. I love that's, that's the ancestors back there, man. You know what I mean? If you don't know where you're coming from, you ain't gonna know where you're going, bro. That's that, and that, and that's, you know, we just, if you deal with everything as principle, that's what it is, bro. It's like that's what this hip hop is all about. That's what this dialogue is all about. You got to let them know what, what it is. You got to document this stuff because Elvis was the king of rock and roll, man. You know what I mean? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, and so if we, when we are walking a real deadly deadly path right now to end up in that same scenario if we don't protect the music, you know? But definitely the culture, because it's been it's been infiltrated. But we here though, right? We no here. idea. No idea is new is it's here too. So we gonna we gonna we gonna work the the, the anti the anti bullshit movement. <laughs>